When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In today's episode, we're going to talk about in blockchain we trust. Some of the books that I'm currently reading, you can hear a stack of them right here, maybe. Maybe you heard that, I don't know. And we're going to talk about the efficiency trap. So, enjoy. Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. I'm your host, Jeremy Quintanilla. I'm the CFO and co-founder of 3T Warrior Academy. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Age of Radio. Check out our 3T Warrior Academy YouTube channel and check out Age of Radio at ageofradio.com. This is your first time tuning in to Age of Jeremy. This is a show about my life as an entrepreneur, a creator, all the ups and downs and people I meet along the way. Essentially, I'm just sharing my life with you. Make sure to follow me on all the socials at Age of Jeremy, except Twitter. It's at Age of Jeremy Q. And also make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Age of Jeremy. Before we get started, this episode of Age of Jeremy is brought to you by Signature Home Styles. Looking to upgrade your home or office? Tired of being second when it comes to taste and style? Look no further than Signature Home Styles at www.signaturehomestyles.biz forward slash age of radio. Signature Home Styles is America's online destination for home goods and decor, transforming millions of homes in the USA for over 50 years. Candles, coffee, florals, lighting, wall decor, and more. Signature Home Styles has thousands of unique products not found anywhere else. Don't forget to check out their famous Sparkle Glass. Sparkle Glass is an eye-catching LED glass cylinder only available at Signature Home Styles. Sparkle Glass can be purchased with seasonal or custom inserts, bringing astonishing brilliance to all rooms for any occasion. Don't settle for second place home decor. Get the best at Signature Home Styles. Make sure to visit our Age of Radio partner page at www.signaturehomestyles.biz that's b-i-z and then forward slash age of radio that is www.signaturehomestyles.biz b-i-z forward slash age of radio all right let's get this show started so the first thing that i want to talk about is in blockchain we trust and this is coming from a forbes article normally i talk from 
Bloomberg articles. Um, and before I actually go into this, I do want to mention something. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that I've been working on for efficiency, some of the things that I'm trying to do to make myself more efficient, and how we get kind of caught in this efficiency trap. But one of the things that I think will make you more efficient, and we're going to talk more about it, you know, as we go into the podcast. But don't utilize social media as best as you can for your news articles. I highly recommend that you subscribe to a few really good like magazines or really good like The Atlantic, The New Yorker, Economist, um, Forbes. This is coming from a Forbes article. And the reason being is, is because when you sit and you read an article from one of these different types of mediums, you can think about it a lot more thoughtfully. You can take more time with it. It's not something that's just passing in your feed and you're checking like a glimpse of it. And I think that that will make you more thoughtful. It'll make you more efficient. It'll change your attention span, which we'll talk a little bit more into the episode um, as I talk to you about some of the things that I'm trying to do. And then also, too, we can get a better, we can slow down the rate in which we consume so we can consume things better. And so I'm going to talk about that more. But again, this comes from a Forbes article, not from my normal Bloomberg articles. I don't have a link for it, so I apologize because it's from a magazine. But I'm sure if you go to Forbes.com and check out and just type in in blockchain, um, they trust, it's in blockchain, they trust, that you can probably get an idea of, you can probably read the article and maybe buy it or subscribe to Forbes. A couple of years ago, I subscribed to Forbes for like five years. It was really cheap. It was like 150 bucks for like five years or something ridiculous. So I have a long time um, with my Forbes magazine. Um, and to be honest, it's not my favorite magazine. So Forbes people, if you're out there, I um, apologize. Um, but I think it's still a good magazine where you can get some good articles from. And in this one, they're talking about in blockchain, they trust. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we need to change our, our, um, our perception of cryptocurrencies and blockchains and understand that when people say that they're not investing in cryptocurrencies, that means that they're not buying cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum and building a portfolio. And when we think of like JP Morgan saying, I'm not going to buy, or I'm not going to, uh, that cryptocurrencies are a scam. Some of them are scams, but JP Morgan has invested in blockchain and we need to change the way in which we think about these words being, um, being the same, like synonyms for each other. And so one of the things that uh, this article talks about, and it's by Nina Bamshishva and Michael de Castillo. So I apologize if I'm butchering your names. That's something that I'm well known for is butchering names. But in this article, they say crypto is in a crisis, but many of the world's biggest financial institutions are still banking on the underlining tech as the best way to build confidence with customers and with one another. Um, and uh, they talked to Michael Maybach or Meebach. He's the chief executive of MasterCard, the world's second largest credit card company. And so when they're talking to him in this article, he starts talking about something called ISO 20022 or 222. And ISO numbers refer to international standards for messaging technology. And um, it's about 50 years old. And the real payments become real with what's called ISO 222. And they... They they came to blockchain and we said, okay, what would that solve? And so MasterCard has been spending a lot of time saying, okay, blockchain is a real technology. What does that actually do? So in late January, the 55-year-old Maybach told analysts and shareholders that the company had surpassed 2 billion tokenized transactions per month, up 38% in a year, and that MasterCard was enabling digital payments in 110 countries. And the biggest benefit that he says is less fraud. The more that we use tokenized transactions, 
transactions or cryptocurrencies to or blockchain to move the money, the less likely we're able to have fraud and the more likely we are to catch fraud if it does happen. So today, tokenization at MasterCard means replacing the 16-digit number on your plastic card with a super secure, unique digital record for every transaction without ever leaving behind your identity in the form of a credit card number. So because there is a separate number that's associated with it, right, that's not associated to, say, your plastic credit card, um, and it's super secure, and it's a digital record of every transaction that happens, it doesn't leave your specific identity behind. But in the event that there is fraud, they are able to kind of track down exactly kind of what happened. And that's very beneficial. And um, Maybach or Maybach says, you can tokenize anything. And he thinks we're going to have a world where everything will be tokenized and will be passed around in a safe fashion. MasterCard is one of 2020, of 2020 financial company, I'm sorry, MasterCard is one of 22 financial companies that made Forbes 2023 blockchain 50 list of billion dollar companies putting distributed ledger technology to real use. MasterCard is also a prototypical corporate middleman. It ranked in 22 billion in revenue and 10 billion in profit last year from the fees it charged merchants to essentially help customers spend their own money. In other words, MasterCard is exactly the type of company that crypto zealots love to hate. And so so they go on to talk a little bit about the technology in this article. But one of the things that I found fascinating is they talk, talk about Avalanche. Um, and so um, public blockchains can offer advantages in terms of speed and cost. Private equity pioneer KKR, whose funds manage $496 billion worth of assets, recently opened its $4 billion healthcare strategic growth fund um, to distribution via Avalanche, a fast public blockchain that boasts that it can do 4,500 transactions per second, where if we look at Ethereum, Ethereum can still only handle about 15 transactions per second. So other Avalanche users include the CME Group, which I found fascinating. That's The CME Group is the company that owns the the Chicago um, Commodities Exchange, um, a CME Group, and then also, let's see, MasterCard and a company called FIS. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up and the reason why I encourage you to read more thoughtfully about stuff is that when I opened up this Forbes and I sat down, kind of, to be honest, I sat down to read it so it, I could get it off of my table and out of clutter. And so I started reading this and I found this. And so I was like, okay, so... So what is it that what is it that I can learn from this specific article? Well, I learned that MasterCard might be a company that I want to invest in, right? So I sat down, I thought about all the things that MasterCard's doing, and I thought long-term what they're doing, and that looks to me something that might be beneficial. So I might invest in MasterCard. I also realized how important Avalanche might be and how companies are going to Avalanche for the way in which it does its transactions and the way in which its blockchain can move transactions. And so when I look at that, Avalanche is AVAX, so A-V-A-X, you can go check it out. So so last night, I started repeating buy order for Avalanche in my Coinbase account. So I think that that's the main reason why I wanted to mention that is that if you go and you read articles thoughtfully, you can actually come up and see how things are going to be moving. And, you know, when we think about Warren Buffett, they, he talks a lot about he reads reports all day. He reads lots of newspapers. And that's because there's information in them. And it gives him information that might be missed by other people where he can say, OK, I believe that if they're going to do this thing, then in the future, they could be very profitable. Um, and I'm going to invest in those things. And then so some of the other companies that they mentioned is Alphabet. Uh, in addition to investing more than one million in blockchain startups through its ventures, Capital Arms, Google Cloud Division last January formed a specialized team devoted to helping startups access crypto market data 
data more quickly via Coinbase. Google now accepts cryptocurrency as payment for cloud storage. So we're already seeing a way in which Alphabet, one of the biggest companies, or the company that owns things like Nest, they own Google, they own, um, well, Google and Nest are their biggest ones. Um, and so if we look at that, they're partnering with Coinbase. They're taking payments for their cloud storage. Then there's a company called Ant Group. Alibaba's giant fintech affiliate has a proprietary blockchain running more than 50 apps. One of them called The Treasure Project helps museums and galleries popularize their collections by creating and distributing copies of ancient Chinese artifacts in the form of digital collectibles that are similar to NFTs. That is fantastic. And so when we see that, now I know what Ant Group's doing. Now I will know what Alphabet's doing. So it's very important that you kind of read up on these things to find out how companies are utilizing technology because blockchain is not going away. If we look in here, BNY Mellon. BNY Mellon is the oldest bank in the United States. In addition to providing custody services for crypto assets, um, it's also working with the New York Fed on a digital dollar pilot project. So this gives me insight into what these companies are trying to do. So it does two things. One, it lets me know what blockchain technologies that I should buy coins for, right? It helps me realize that blockchain technology is not going away. And then it also helps me realize um, some other companies that I might want to invest in because they're innovative companies. And like I always say, numbers are numbers. That's fine. People can manipulate manipulate the numbers, right? And some people say, well, you can't manipulate numbers. My theory is if I know who's running the company, what they're trying to accomplish, and they're keeping things safe and secure for their shareholders, I want to invest in those companies in the long run. And you should probably too. And that's why it's important to read as much as you possibly can through news articles, through um, stuff like Forbes, through The Economist, through Bloomberg, um, Business Week, so that you can get insight into what information is being into the market, right? So you can make good decisions on where to put your money. We'll be right back. I was really excited because I have almost finished two books this year so far. So I finished Middle March, which was a book that I made a video for that should be out on my YouTube channel, but it's not because I didn't make the thumbnail and I need to go back and look at what I was wearing when I did the thumbnail and it's a uh, something that I should do and I just haven't done yet. Um, also too, I'm not very happy with the audio. I am having a hell of a fucking time getting good audio utilizing my DSLR camera that I have. I have a Rode 2. I have Zoom. I have all kinds of microphones and there's no reason why my audio is so bad on my videos and I need to solve that problem. Um, and then I want to get more into making uh, the videos and spending time on that because that's something that I truly, truly enjoy. And I enjoy sharing this knowledge. Um, but I'm super excited because one of the biggest things that I do every year is I try to set reading goals and then I don't, I set the reading goals and I say, oh, I'm going to read this, this, and this, and this, but I never actually read them because I never make time to read. So a couple of things I'm really excited for um, this year is I I finished Saishi Yokomizo's Death on Gokumon Island, which if you like murder mystery and you like Japanese I don't know, stuff, you probably would like this book. Um, so the um, so essentially, uh, the rockbound and forbidding Gokumon Island was once a pirate stronghold. Now it is home to a clannish uh, fishing community dominated by two feuding families. The detective in this, his name is Kosuki Kandaichi. He arrives bringing news of a death. It triggers a series of grotesquely staged murders. The scruffy detective attempts to untangle the island's secrets and stop the killings, but a fresh mystery seems to greet him on every turn, and soon he falls under suspicion himself. The fiendish death on Gokumon Island is one of the best-loved classic murder mysteries by the master of Japanese crime, who is Shaishi Yokomizo. Um, these have been re published for the first time in the United States, from my understanding, by Pushkin Press. I have all of them. 
them. There is the the Honjin murders, then the death on Gokumon Island, and I think the Inugami family curse is next. And then there's the village of the eight graves, and they're doing another one that I forgot the name of that I already have on pre-order. So I'm super excited about these. So Kensuki Kandaichi is kind of like a Sherlock Holmes. I wouldn't say like a Sherlock Holmes type of character. Sherlock, he's a very thoughtful, logical character. Um, he is very scruffy. He's very kind of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, I don't want to say shy because he's not shy when he needs to be um but he just seems like a really fun uh fun scruffy i guess would be the best way that i can describe the characters because apparently my vocabulary is not that good for all the books that i read um so so i would recommend that you pick these up i'm going to do a uh if you go to my youtube channel there is a review of his first book the honjin murders i personally like this one better than the honjin murders i thought the honjin murders was a little slow this one was a little bit more fast paced it because it's in the i forgot what year he wrote this i want to say the 50s the 20s the 30s the 70s 19 original text saishi yoko mizo 1971 yeah so 1971 so it has like if there was a movie that came out in 1971 there's some scenes where uh, the village town people are chasing this person and i could just see like like what that would look like from a like a um Oh, what's the word like a an old style Chinese movie or Japanese movie that was brought over to America with the duh subtitles and maybe the Technicolor is not all great and they're like running up the the mountain chasing this person and it's just really interesting to me. So I, I would just uh, so I, I that's one of the reasons why I liked it because there was more of this like this fast pacedness what they were trying to accomplish um inside of the the story uh and so the murders were a little bit unexpected all the murders were staged which i thought was really really cool and so i, I just like this i just i like this one better than the hundred murders what can i say um and the economist says readers will delight in the blind turns red herrings and dubious alibi so go check it out i think that you'll enjoy it um so i'm happy about that the other thing i'm happy about is um everybody in our warrior academy group head on over to 3twarrioracademy.com or head over to our youtube channel if you want to check out the stuff that happens in the warrior academy or learn about it or I don't know, whatever. Um, we have a business group that's inside of there and that business group has a book club and I'll probably do other, you know, motivation books besides that, but I lead that book club and we've been reading through principles and we're about at page what 369 in principles by Ray Dalio. And what I enjoy about having the book club is it creates a sense of accountability for me. Um, and that accountability, uh, makes sure that I'm, I'm reading when I should. And I think that because there is that accountability that I'm doing for the book club, I, it's then easier to hold myself accountable to read like this, the murder mystery death on Gokumon Island. Um, and so, so I've made it very, it, it's very important for me this year to really focus on my learning and intellectual pursuits along with my business pursuits. And that's why I'll be talking about efficiency here after I go over the other two books that I'm reading. Um, principles goes over Ray Dalio's, um, uh, uh, concepts and theories that he has in running strong business with Bridgewater Associates. Um, there's some things that I kind of disagree with him on here. There's some other things that I just absolutely love. Um, it is a fantastic book. Um, Ray Dalio is a billionaire because of his business, Bridgewater Associates. Uh, I never knew that it had so much to do with future.
futures contracts um, in the beginning of Bridgewater Associates. And again, I've never really studied Bridgewater Associates. This is the first time that I've been introduced to um, to Ray Dalio. I know that people have been you know in praise of Ray Dalio, like Bill Gates says on here. Ray Dalio has provided me with invaluable guidance and insights that are now available to you in principles. Tony Robbins says, I found it to be truly extraordinary. Every page is full of so many principles of distinction and insights. I do think that he goes a little overboard for a re average regular person on an everyday basis on how they're going to construct their principles. But what's cool about it is there's a hard back journal that we're going to go through next in our business group. So if you want to be a part of that, go check out the warrior Academy, three T warrior or go check out coach JV underscore uh, on your social media. And then, um, I always, I try to say how important family is in building relationships. And the one thing that I think people underestimate is that relationship building is very, very time consuming. You have to want to build the relationship and it takes both parties to want to build that relationship. And so one of the things that my mom did, it was so kind of her. She bought a book called think like a monk by Jay Shetty. She watches him on, uh, on, um, YouTube. She listens to his podcast, things of that nature. Um, I think that he was a business person, then became a monk. I don't know too much about him, but essentially me and my mom are going to start our own little book club um, and kind of go through that and then discuss it and talk. And I think that when we do those things, um, when we're both working together on a goal or something like in this case, reading a book together and having conversation about it, it can really ignite and spark communication with each other and build a much stronger relationship. And I think that that's really important in our everyday lives. Relationships are so important because they build a sense of community and they build a sense of um, uh, structure and support systems. And when we don't have those support systems, it's very hard to overcome difficulties in life. And I think that the more that we spend in communities and in Facebook groups and in real life communities, um, as well, and, or communities where we're, you know, going on zooms and talking to people, meeting people in real life. Um, I think that we can build much stronger relationships. And so I'm going to be reading this with my mom. I haven't read it. We're well, going to read it a lot slower, right? Cause I have a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and, and, Again, I don't want to read like 40 books at once. The The cool thing about books, um, at least for me, I don't know how other people's memories are, but for me specifically, it's very easy for me to remember and pick up where I left on a, on a book. Um, and so I don't know if that is easy for other people. Some things that people could do, maybe they can take notes, they can write in a, a, a book a journal afterwards. I bought a, a like a, a hardback, uh, I don't know, little journal to go over and, you know, spend my thoughts after I read. I haven't been doing that as much, but again, it's a little progression. I'm reading a lot more now. I'm really excited about that. One of the other things I started doing, um, is I started, as I started reading principles, right by Ray Dalio, it kind of opened me up to thinking and listening to more intellectual things. I don't get, I enjoy intellectual discourse um, and I enjoy academic discourse. And that's just the way that I, those are the things that I like just based off of either how I was raised or going to college and spending so much time in college or being a nerd or whatever. And, and so I started listening to a psychology podcast because I want to be better um, in all aspects of my life. And the only way to do that is to get resources and help and, you know, have conversations and learn and grow. And so I found this other, uh, I listened to a podcast episode about, about attention span, and that's what I'm going to talk about right now, um, is I found this other book called Attention Span, and it's a groundbreaking way to restore balance, happiness, and productivity. So I've read through about, I don't know, 50 pages of this. It's very, very good. Um, for I have 
I haven't gotten to some of the things that we could be doing yet to kind of change our attention span, but I wanted to talk about this concept of the efficiency trap, the way that I look at it. And it's not mentioned in this book, but I recommend that you go and get read attention span. Um, so before I go into that attention span, let me just explain. I'm reading four books. So Death on Gokumon Island's done. I'm reading Principles for a book club. I'm reading Think Like a Monk for a book club. I'm reading Attention Span because I want to. And then I'm going to be reading some more Saishi Yokomizo books to knock them out of my reading list for the year and then get on to some more, more difficult reading that might take a little bit more longer because A, it's more complicated um, and I don't know if there's more words on a page, I guess. And so, um, but let's go back to attention span. So attention span talks about how our ability to, our inability, I guess, to shift between different things throughout our day. So for instance, one of the most common things that I can think of that happens is we have Outlook and emails will pop up. I know I have those email pop-ups turned off for notifications, but we're constantly no being having notifications that hit us. And when those notifications hit us, it's changing our attention span. And so over the course of years, uh, Professor or Dr. Gloria Mark, she did some research and has found that we are now down to about a 157 uh, second, 47 second attention span. And not, not that our attention is being like our attention. Every 47 seconds, I guess the best way to put it is every 47 seconds, something's happening on average that moves our attention from whatever we're doing. And because of that, we are being less effective in my mind. She doesn't specifically talk about that. But when I think about that, if I am unable to, or am I am getting distracted from phone notifications, from email notifications, from a bird outside, from, you know, my niece coming in here, asking me a question, my wife texting me, then we have a WhatsApp chat that's going on. We have discord. If all these things are happening to us, we are losing our ability to focus and do really good, strong work. And I feel that that might be one of the things why our innovation has fallen over the years is because we're not given the time to actually do good, thoughtful work because we live in in the society where everything needs to be completely fast paced and everything has to go at a certain, you have to be the first to do this. You have to be the best to do this. You always have to be working. You always have to be notified by your boss. Your boss always has to have contact with you. You have to work all the time. And I'm starting to think that that's actually making us less effective. And so the reason why I'm thinking about this concept of the efficiency trap is because the more we think that we're trying to be efficient by having all of these things happen, the less efficient that we're going to be. And one of the things that she talks about in the podcast episode, Dr. Gloria Mark, I haven't gotten to it in the book, is the, the way in which we now listen to YouTubes on 1.5 or 2 times speed, or we listen to books on 1.5 or 2 times speed, because we're trying to get all of that information as fast as we can. And the problem with that. And again, I don't have, I don't have research to, I don't have data to express in this specific episode, but it's something that I'm going to continue to look at and try to get some more information on is because when we listen to those things, that information comes in at us, but then we don't, if we don't do anything more with that information, did we really did we really understand that information? And if we had slowed down that information and did it in a different way, could we have thought been more thoughtful about that information and taking it slower and thinking about it and talking about it and explaining it and teaching it and fully understanding it? Because we live in this world where we think we have to have all of this information coming at us fast. And I think that that's actually harming us and making us less effective and less efficient than if we stopped doing certain things and became more thoughtful and 
about what we are doing. And so the first thing that I'm trying to do is every night at eight o'clock. So two, two problems are happening, arising right now. One, I need to be notified of when I'm going to post. And I had a weird posting schedule where throughout the day I was being deemed and notified about all of these things of when I was going to post because I was trying to make it more effective of when to post on what social media platform. And that's stupid because it made it more ineffective because what was happening is while I was working during the day on something, I would get tons of dings and I would have to pull myself away to make a video. So rather than doing it that way, it's to have a set time to have these videos. And if I get more likes, I get more likes. If I get more views, I get more views. If not, maybe then I change it to a different time that's more relevant. But to try to fit it to all of the different platforms is going to cause a ridiculous amount of distraction and I'm going to be less efficient in the things that I'm going to do. So that was the first thing that I had to solve. And the second thing that I had to solve is sometimes those things came late at night. So, but I'm trying to now remove myself at least two hours before bed. So I try to go to bed. I try to go to bed. I don't always do this. Try to go to bed between 1030 and 1130. 1030 to 11 is when I try, but it's usually close somewhere between 11 and 1130. And I'm trying to get better at that. And so what I'm trying to do is now at eight o'clock, I'm shutting off my phone. So I'll probably call my mom at 7.30, talk to her for a little bit because I know I'm not going to be in my phone, turn off my phone and then not have anything happen. And I've done it since last Thursday. And one of the things that I have found is how our mind, or at least my mind, I don't know if it's everybody's mind, I think of things that then want me to go grab my phone. So for instance, I was doing folding some clothes, I was folding some underwear and socks um, in my room. It was quiet, I didn't have music, I didn't have anything. It was just me and the socks and the, the clothes, didn't have my phone near me, nothing. And I was sitting there and there were roses that I bought Danielle for, uh, Danielle's my wife, bought Danielle for um, uh, Valentine's Day. And they were sitting there on the counter or on the desk. And I was like, okay, I had a question about lilies because the lilies hadn't bloomed that were part of the bouquet. And I wanted to go to my phone and I went to go grab my phone. I was like, fuck, my phone's not here. And I was like, okay, well, I just went back to folding my clothes. It got that focus back on my phone and th- or on my clothes. And then as I was putting the clothes away, I saw a pop figure and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a di- another pop figure that's out yet that I wanted to go check on Amazon. And I went to grab my phone and I didn't have my phone. And so if we're thinking about the task at hand, the task at hand was folding my clothes and putting my socks away. But during that period of five, 10 minutes, I thought of something that I could now find the answer to very quickly on my phone and it pulled me away from folding my clothes. And so that made me less effective in the task of folding my clothes and my socks. And so what's probably going to happen is I learned to live without my phone for those two hours in the evening. I will then find other better things to do. And when I think of something, I won't have to pull my attention away from what I'm doing or the better thing that might happen is I won't even be thinking about those things because I'll be thinking about the present stuff. So I'm really excited. So that's the I'm really excited about going through this attention span book. This is something that I actually really want to learn because I am all about being effective and I'm not about being effective where I can do more work. And I think that that's also part of the efficiency or the effectiveness trap is that efficiency shouldn't be the, the workload that we need to do. It should be efficient in the life that we're going to live. And so that means that things Things that I enjoy doing and things are like for me, birding, playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, reading, you know, 
true crime, um, studying, you know, programming, spending time with my wife, going out with my friends. Those are all things that we can be more effective and efficient at that then make us more effective and efficient in work. And so we always think that the efficiency plays how, how fast we do our work, how more we do our work, but not whether or not we do our work actually better and whether or not we're actually more efficient and effective in life. So I recommend that you go get the attention span. I'm going to be spending, I'm going to try to spend more time thinking about this subject and talking about it as a, uh, a subject that I'm going to try to, um, teach and talk about, I guess would be the best way to say it. Um, so I can, um, write some more, some thought pieces on this and things of that nature. So I'm really excited about that. So I hope to, you guys hold me accountable to that journey, um, by commenting in the podcast episode or following me on Instagram and Twitter and, and, and going along with me on this story, um, or on this journey of becoming more effective by having a more balanced, happy, and productive life will then make me more effective and efficient at work and not to fall into the efficiency trap that we always have to be working, that we always have to be doing, that life is the thing that we need to be effective at, not, not, not just the work portion of our life, but our overall life. So remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind, and I will talk with you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. you like this podcast, go ahead and smash that like button in your podcatcher. And if your podcatcher allows you to, please give us a five-star rating so we can get it in front of more people. Our opening song was Brave Faces Everyone by a band called Spanish Love Songs. Our closing song was by a band called Alum Illuminati Hotties called Threatening Each Other Recapitalism. And if you want to know the stuff that I use to record this podcast, I use a Neumann microphone, um, KM104, I believe. I have a Zoom L8 mixing board. I use Steinberg's Cubase to record, and I also use Waves plugins. Um, remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind, and we will talk with you next time. Bye.